0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: Hi there. It's Laura Wasser, And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, Or, I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers, and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So, welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast. Where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning.
2: Good
3: morning. We've the whole night. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. to you?
2: Hi, Divorce Sex Podcast listeners. Welcome to the Sunnyside Up Report.
0: Welcome, everybody. How's it going? I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains.
2: And um this is the part of the podcast where we go through things that I've found online over the week, generally in the wee hours. Send them to Johnny. And then he puts them all together so that we can read about them to you guys. If anybody has one that you find that has to do with breaking up, getting divorced, dating, weddings, send them over.
0: Moving on after a divorce.
2: Send them to us because we like to read about these quirky, quirky things. Um, This one was written by Jeremy Stone and it was on the ladders yesterday. It's how to tell your wife you want a divorce. And interestingly... My boyfriend sent it to me. It must have come up on his flipboard, which is the thing we're both on that kind of, you know, sends us right. stories. And and his was well mine was how to tell your husband you want a divorce and his was how to tell your wife. So it must somehow figure out who you are when it's sending it to you. Is there
0: a difference between the gender, like how you tell them?
2: No, there wasn't. But I guess if I'm reading how to tell your wife you want a divorce, I might flip through it. This is actually um, a really good article yeah. and, and lots of people come into my office and say like what's the best way
0: mm-hmm. what is the best way
2: well again it depends on the couple right. but I do believe that what Jeremy says in here you know timing is everything right so you don't want to like blurt it out you want to really be able to you know do it and he says find the right location you know, I had a client that called me the other day and was like, how do I do this? Do I bring like a piece of paper with everything that I want to be able, you know, that she's going to get? And I'm like, whoa, 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 I think you need to slow down.
0: Well, it even says in here uh, to avoid details. Yes. Don't go into details about, you know, the finances or how you're going to divide your brokerage account, who should have the kids for Christmas this year. Take it kind of one step at a time.
2: That's a lot to swallow at the outset. Remember, you've kind of been thinking about this for a long time. He or she may not necessarily have done so. And so if you're going to be the one that's kind of telling your spouse that you went out, I think it's really important to kind of keep to your topic. He also says it might be a good idea to do it, you know, with a third party in the room. Right. I agree um, with that. You know, he says, consider a team approach, maybe with your therapist, mental health professional. Another thing is to really make it mutual. Now, again, that might be hard in some situations, but really saying to somebody, I don't think you've been happy either. And um, he quotes New York divorce attorney Jacqueline Newman, author of The Soon-to-Be-Ex. If the other person can acknowledge that he or she is also unhappy, it makes it an easier conversation to have because it's not so one-sided.
0: I guess, you know, it takes some planning.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I think, again, if this is somebody with whom you've got children or with whom you've had a long relationship, try to be considerate. I mean, this is the beginning of a process that the two of you are going to go through together. And you know, there's a good way to start it out and there's a shitty way to start it out.
0: Good advice, Laura. The next story is uh, Bringing Up Baby, What Having a Child Does to a Relationship by Neil Frizzell, which was published in Vogue, UK.
2: And one of the things that he says is the idea that having a baby will, quote, bring you together, quote, as (laughs) Uh a couple, (laughs) is like believing a hammer will help you bring together as a plate.
0: I mean, obviously, but I hope that that's just a thing that, maybe people feel like when they're younger I can't imagine that after a certain age you still think like
2: that oh honey imagine it how about people that have like a third child because things aren't going so well plenty of people have babies thinking that this will be the one thing that they need that procreation that bringing of life that family it happens really really often I see it and again Having babies is fantastic, but if you think that's going to be what fixes things, you're just wrong. Well, Neil
0: Neil writes that having a baby is probably one of the most prolonged and thorough ways to test your relationship to breaking point.
2: Yes. I realized I'm asexual. Divorced, by the way, asexual, the way it's spelled here, obviously because it's English, is it sounds like it's a noun, like I'm asexual, (laughs) as opposed to asexual. Divorced reveal the very startling revelations that only dawned on them after their marriages broke down.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. There's some uh, kind of funny ones and then some really sad ones in this article. It's written by Latoya Gale for the Mail Online and uh, Where she she got all these from Whisper. Yeah, Whisper. Now, did you do you know what Whisper is? Tell me. It is a anonymous confessions app. People go on to Whisper and reveal their deepest darkest secrets and I think it's funny because it's not the first time that this particular app has come up in our conversation.
2: Yes. Here's, here's the one she leads with. My divorce was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It forced me to realize that I'm asexual. So Spelled ma- correctly. So much makes sense now. By the way, guess who it was also the best thing that ever happened for? Your super horny spouse that was yes. never getting laid. God, so much makes sense now.
0: The one I really liked was uh, an individual who is now looking for a new partner confessed they didn't realize how emotionally abusive their former partner was until after they divorced. So I guess they thought all that emotional abuse during their marriage was just totally normal. Right.
2: You have no idea how much work getting a divorce is until you get one. It's like a second job. By the way, I had a client who he was lamenting to me how seriously his wife took this and how every day she worked on, you know, documenting things and everything else. And when at some point it came up that, you know, she she was a stay home mom. And so somebody said to one of the kids, oh, you know, she doesn't have a job. And the kid said, oh, she has a job. She works with so-and-so who was her divorce lawyer on, on the divorce. That's her job. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of how it is.
0: One person was unaware of their deep feelings toward their best friend until after they separated from their spouse.
2: These are all kind of depressing. I'd like to find somebody that said something kind of positive about divorce.
0: Well, I like the one about the one woman confessed she found separating from her ex-husband's family more difficult than leaving her partner. Well,
2: that comes up a lot. And by the way, you don't have to divorce your ex's family. You can still be family with them. And this is my favorite, and it kind of dovetails nicely with our guest today. Yes. These are the sites where sugar babies meet sugar daddies by Madeline Buxton, and this is a Refinery29 article, and it lists very I didn't know there were various, I know we've talked about Seeking Arrangements. Oh yeah,
0: there's several.
2: Various sites where sugar babies can meet sugar daddies. Seeking Arrangements is one of the few that also allows sugar mamas. Sugar Daddy, for me, claims to be the largest, offering matches for thirty nine ninety a month.
0: Hmm. ching Um, What's interesting about uh, all of these websites, what they all have in common, is that on almost every sugar baby and sugar daddy website, the words pamper and spoil are everywhere, emphasizing the transactional nature of the relationship. Hmm. We've talked about the transactional nature of the relationship, and I guess – in the end it it makes sense you know the terms are clear and people know what they're into you know and what they should expect
2: and what i often say is every relationship is a contract is a negotiation it has roles even if you're madly in love with the person you each have certain expectations from the relationship this still i may call me old-fashioned it still strikes me as rather mercenary however I applaud those who are moving into a world where at least everything is transparent Clear, yeah. and
0: on the surface. Yeah, that's a perfect lead into our, our next guest today. Well,
2: because we have Erin Foster on the show and she is the creative director uh, for Bumble, which is one of the leading dating apps and not necessarily uh, seeking arrangement-esque, but uh, nope. listen up. Today's episode of Divorce Sucks is about friendship, dating, and divorce. One of my favorite quotes about friendship is from (laughs) Ralph Waldo Emerson. The glory of friendship is not the outstretched hand, not the kindly smile, nor the joy of companionships. It is the spiritual inspiration that comes to one when you discover that someone else believes in you and is willing to trust you with the friendship. That actually may be Johnny's favorite quote about friendship from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Mine is... Happiness is a perfume you cannot pour on others without getting a few drops on yourself. That's a good quote. This other one sounds like a prayer or something like that. But anyway, back to the matter at hand. After a breakup or a divorce, you may think you'll never date again, but you don't want to become so embittered or burned out that you'll have no further interest in finding somebody else or will have lost the ability to respond if somebody comes into your life. Leaning on good friends, and yes, getting back out into the world, and eventually finding romance again, perhaps on Bumble, or new people to network with on Bumble Biz, expanding your social circle on Bumble BFF, they can all help you move on to your next chapter. Are you picking up on a common denominator here? My guest today is an expert on surviving divorce. Her father has famously divorced four times, and he recently announced his engagement to future wife number five. My guest is the actress, model, writer, producer, and head of creative for Bumble, a position she shares with her equally accomplished sister. Today's guest is also a true influencer, a fashion designer, and a businesswoman with a posse of famous friends and step and half siblings. Welcome to Divorce Sex, Aaron Foster.
3: Thank you. Um I've never been a model, though, but I really like that being on my resume. I do, too. You know, you just throw Johnny out there. He (laughs) pulls stuff out. (laughs) You know what I think happens? I think that he met me five minutes ago, and then he quickly put a model in there as well. That's right. That's probably Mm -hmm. what happened.
2: You, so, Bonnie. Just so that our listeners to the Divorce Sex podcast know, Erin and I don't know each other that well. We have a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances, um, and I asked her to do this because of not only you being kind of an it girl in L.A., Thank but you. also your affiliation with Bumble, because at It's Over Easy, which is our online divorce website, we heavily rely on Bumble and other dating sites for people that are kind of moving on to their next chapters. So I was totally psyched, because I know you guys are doing a TV show now, totally psyched that you said yes, that. You would come, and we were had many, many emails between assistants. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Aaron got here. Like, Sorry, I don't <laughs> know. I,
3: I'm, I'm. I don't think I'm that hard to get a you hold You were You weren't. Okay, it good. was
2: just like the organizing. And yeah. Johnny's very detail-oriented, which is why it's even funnier. Did I
3: facilitate the Bumble partnership through the Hive thing, or did you guys already have that? No, you did it. I did. Okay, good. Thank God. You, it was
2: a little you and then a little Mike Meldman Casamigos. Like,
3: oh, uh, put a, great. He's, a,
2: he's one of our investors. So Hi, oh, Mike. Nice. I'm sure you're listening to the Divorce likes podcast right now. But anyway, I wanted to tell the funny story that like seven minutes ago, and I was like, you know, I always get this moment like when you're having a party and you're like, well, are they coming? Is anyone coming? I mean, is Erin going to cancel? We get this call, and it's Aaron and she's downstairs, and we're on the second floor of this building, and she said, "I can't get in an elevator. I, I, is there a stairwell?"
3: So, yeah, I've had this lifetime battle with claustrophobia. Um, when I was so, my dad doesn't take elevators. Okay, David Foster, how old is David? Sixty-nine. By the way, I
2: just saw him over Christmas. He looks amazing. So he's sixty-nine, crazy. and he hasn't taken an elevator, but for maybe a couple times in thirty-five years. Yeah, correct.
3: Um, I think he got stuck when he was maybe with my mom before I was born. It freaked him out. He just developed some phobia. He was claustrophobic. So then, when I was a kid, I try to reverse engineer the phobia and understand it. And um, my parents divorced when I was three, so I think that's probably when you start remembering things, right? So yeah. I kind of always remember like wanting to get his attention. And I was would avoid elevators with him because when you're with him, you have to find the stairwell. Right, It's a whole process, right? Like if I was more important than I would have taken the stairs, somebody would have had to have come and unlock the stairs. I ended up getting in the elevator with Johnny. He had to distract me. <laughs> but when you... Oh, really? Yeah. You convinced her to go in the elevator? Uh-huh. How did. did you distract her? To well, Johnny? I felt bad. I was already running late. and um, But when you are David Foster, you call ahead, you have it organized, and you know that you're not getting in the elevator. So the point is it's a whole process production. Right. And I would always say to him, I'll take the stairs with you. And I kind of like this idea that we bonded over this right. thing and I kind of would be like, yeah, I don't like them either and yeah, they seem shitty to me also and all of a sudden I became really paranoid that maybe I don't like elevators too. I was avoiding them, you know, when I was you like You faked it till you five made it six right into a phobia. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And so I had a ton of anxiety as a kid and it really just naturally bled into like a phobia that I shared with my dad. So I always avoided elevators and and small spaces in general. Right, And then as a teenager, I just stopped completely. I wouldn't take – I would sweat and panic. If I had like an audition in a building, I'd scope out the building first, find the stairwell, see if I could get up there. I'd cancel things and say I was sick because I knew that I couldn't take the stairs. I went to New York once and I was like – twenty two with a friend and um this friend of mine offered up his penthouse for us just me and my friend to stay in by ourselves and it was on the eighteenth floor and I took those stairs the entire time. Oh my god. I mean nothing would get me in an elevator. And then eventually I started going to um there's a type of uh phobia therapy called cognitive behavior therapy. Do you know about it? I've heard of and it, yes. People swear by it. So I went to this guy for a year and a half and he got me taking elevators. Um it's a really long, slow process. You basically just like rewire your brain to not perceive a threat somewhere where it isn't. Right. Um, but I never really mastered taking them alone. So, like, I'm an adult, 36 year old woman, and every time I go to my boyfriend's place, he has to come downstairs and take me up the elevator like a child, which is embarrassing. And then we got stuck. I think stuck. it's sweet, actually. And so you and the boyfriend got stuck. Got stuck on um, Sunday. Yeah. How long? 20 minutes.
2: Okay. Now. Is this phobia, I I can't, you can't speak for everyone, but for you or even if your dad's ever talked to you about it, are you afraid of the small space? For me, I wouldn't be afraid to get stuck somewhere as long as it wasn't like one of those crowded elevators, but I'm always afraid that it's gonna drop. Like in Die Hard, you know, or the thing, like, mm-hmm. then you, like, fall to your death. That would be my fear. I'm not really afraid to get stuck because, again, if I was alone, I would actually be psyched. Like, sorry.
3: That's the more common fear is falling. I, my dad and I share this feeling. We would rather fall than be stuck. Okay. It's really – it happens with me in bathrooms, too, and he's the same way, like, if I go to a, um, a bathroom that has a weird lock on it and there's no windows in the bathroom, I'm not locking that door. Right. I'll have a friend stand outside the door. I'll let someone walk in on me peeing. I will not like... See, that's myself- my fear,
2: by the way. That's my phobia is having somebody walk, walk in on in me peeing. I don't go weekly. to the bathroom at parties because I'm just like, no, that would just... I can't. Half this town has seen me pee
3: accidentally. <laughs> Because I just would rather get walked in. I don't want to get... It's about being stuck somewhere where you can't get out. Right. That's really all it is.
2: See, I, my only fear of that is in a relationship, frankly. <laughs> okay, so on that point, and yeah. maybe your dad has that, too, because... <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I hope that none of this is taken as disrespectful. I know your dad relatively well, and I have huge respect for him, and also huge respect for someone who's managed to have the relationships he's had in his lifetime, have the relationships that he has with his children, and know when it's time to kind of cut, bake, bake, it doesn't seem like he, and I could be wrong because I don't know him that well. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he's left a wake of like disaster, you know, in his wake, wake, so to speak. That he's always done a pretty good job. I know I've seen online things that you and your sister have written too, and about the fact that Catherine you your mm-hmm. about to be stepmom, yeah. is younger than you guys. Yes,
3: but you love her. We honestly do. I mean. First and foremost, my dad has a really good sense of humor about his history. He has a whole bit that he does when he like does performances where he d- divides up his songs, like which ex-wife owns them, right? And wh- how with this one bought a house in Malibu with this share? the chart. Oh yeah, Johnny did his thing, and so I think was
2: well, this must have been from Vanity Fair. Yes, Johnny. Johnny yeah. made me a chart because I didn't know all of the different. I mean, this really—he's been around this guy. I mean, it, but it's, yeah. But like I said, it doesn't seem like there's a disaster. Almost everybody, these gorgeous. Children and stepchildren and half siblings are lovely. They're relatively successful. They're aesthetically good looking. Mm -hmm. Go DF.
3: Yeah, he's done well for himself. That being said, I think he would do it differently if he had to do it over again. I think the goal is not to have five families. Right. It could be exhausting. um, But, you know, I have a great relationship with my dad now as an adult. I really, genuinely, really like Catherine McPhee like that's not a bit i wouldn't come on here and i would i would say don't ask me about her right um so i really like her she had a really intimidating road ahead of her yes. he has five adult daughters and he's been married four times and she's younger than most of his daughters and so and just the same age i think as his youngest my little sister um so it's like she's set up to fail. Right. At from the get go. Right. And the truth is she made it impossible to not like her. And my dad has been married to women who are age appropriate that right. I really didn't want him to be with. Okay. So it's not really about age. Right. It's really just about intention. And character. And character. Right. And the truth is is that they're a great couple. make each other happy she tries like the perfect amount with us right and in a weird way it's almost easier having your dad be with someone your age because you can relate to them yes Kat and i have the same sense of humor right we we uh, can make fun of dad together yes you can make fun (laughs) of him we're both young we're both ambitious we both like are career driven we both are independent it's different than women that are of his generation that are a little bit like professionals yes they are professional wives they have an agenda they have an intention they set out on it they know who they want they know how to land them They don't have a sense of humor the same way. It's just a different, it's a generational gap.
2: And when you said, like, she tries just the right amount with us, I would imagine that some of those older generations would have tried too hard or not enough. Or just
3: disingenuous. Right. It's like, I'm going to try hard with you until I can get rid of you or yeah. phase you out. I don't know. It it, it just feels easy right now. And but Catherine
2: probably great. really likes that you and your s- siblings are able to like hang with her. I mean, yeah. I would. If I was going to go on a family vacation and there were going to be kids, people that were all my own age, that would be better. exactly. And it's... then when your husband goes to bed, you're like, woo. Although I get the sense your dad probably does not go to bed that no, early. No, he's but, very yeah.
3: young at hard. But yeah. it is funny because Cat has such a good body and going on a bikini vacation with her with my boyfriend was... So- <laughs> really Um, funny sorry
2: for those of you who haven't seen aaron maybe it's all that stair walking she's got a rock and body thank you but
3: it's really funny when your stepmom walks out and you're like smacking your boyfriend like (laughs) stop looking at her tits please stop i know she looks good please don't do that so (laughs) let's see they got they got engaged in july of
2: 18 yes
3: I think that sounds right. Yeah, and yeah, in the summer. Do we know when they're getting married? Do they we have a date yet? We don't. They okay. keep moving
2: it around, so I don't know when it's going to be. Okay. So now your parents got divorced when you were three. Yeah. Talk about that.
3: You know, my parents had a really bad divorce. I don't know if, I don't know. <laughs> there are well there look my kids
2: were both 2 when I separated from each of their dads. Okay. And so I wanted to talk to you about it because I was 16 when my parents divorced. Mm. Like I was totally aware really of everything, different. but at the same time I was like whatever. Like I'm all about me right now and I don't care. I always, my kids seem pretty well adjusted mm-hmm. and at two, they don't remember much about when their dads were living in the house with us, mm-hmm. either of them. So at three, like, I, I know it was bad and maybe it was bad as you were three to four, four to five. I don't know, but tell us about how you feel about divorce as the child of a divorced parent.
3: I have a lot of opinions on it. I, I don't think that divorcing your child's parent is the thing that mm-hmm. them up. I think it's the way you do it. And my parents, my mom didn't want to get divorced. Okay. My mom was with the love of her life, my dad. Right. And they had three babies under the age of five. Right. And she really just loved their life together. And he was working really hard, and um, and so obviously he's busy and everything. But essentially, and it's not like my story to tell because it's his relationship. But he was having an affair, and then he left to be with that person. And the way that was it, that the Hadid mom? No, or was there this somebody is Linda. Between. Okay, Linda Thompson Jenner. Okay, I got it. I was reading the chart incorrectly. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> she was married to Bruce Jenner. They yes. got divorced. We went to preschool with her kids, and my dad and her fell for each other, had an affair for a disputed amount of time, and got together. By the way, listeners,
2: uh, preschool breeding ground for yeah, extramarital affairs. Yeah, for sure is. I know. I mean, it's just there's so much hotness at the preschool parent <laughs> things. You know, once by the time you're in elementary school, everyone's tired and haggard and aging. Preschool... Is uh, where it's at. Okay, it's so sorry. True. Go Maybe ahead. I
3: can't follow your spouse <laughs> to the preschool yeah. drop-off. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it started. I don't know as a kid. But um, we did not have a good relationship with our stepmom. Right. Who ended our parents' relationship. Um, and, it, and how were you? Were you aware of this when you were a little girl? Yeah, I was very, very, very aware of it. And and I was that- very aware of a lot of the elements that I wish I hadn't been. And these are the things that I think... For a kid who's going through divorce, what you should not do. Right. Um, don't let them know how much you hate their other parent. Yes. Don't let them know how heartbroken and sad you are by their other parent. Um there's a there's a immediate skipping of like an innocence where you feel responsible to fix everything.
2: And to take care of your wounded parent and to yes. maybe be on the same side of them against the wounder. So
3: yeah, to speak. I think you feel guilty if you had fun at dad's Mm -hmm. and you feel like you can't even mention your mom's name because the other household doesn't want to hear it right and it's like you're you know when my when my dad would clearly my dad was careful to not ever speak badly about my mom i just could tell he would like roll his eyes internally at things and and he had to deal with her because of me. Right. So I felt guilty that I was the reason he had to deal with her, talk to her. You know, in his mind, he like dumped someone and wanted to like not have to deal he with her ever again. Right. But he had to because I was there. Right. So you start to feel this like apologetic thing of I'm half the person you can't stand. Right. We talk about that all the time on the show, it how people- feels really, personal. Yes. Really injure their
2: kids by doing that. I had not heard that part of it yet because I really do believe, and again, we're a generation or two kind of past that people are so much more aware of that and you know in tune with what not to do Mm -hmm. they still do it I mean I see so many of my clients in my private practice that do it but we it's over easy by the time they get to us they're at a point where they're kind of on the same page and they're trying to save some dough but really this mindfulness of what do you think your kids gonna think if you're talking shit about the person
3: that they're they're half that person yes so that's how I always felt was like, I'm only here because at one point you liked that person right. and I'm only here because I'm half her and half you. And if you can't stand her, you can't stand me. And I always just felt a little bit like me merely existing is a bit of an imposition right now, you know? Yikes. And, and that always felt, you know, you don't want to feel that way, obviously no. as a four five, six year old. And that doesn't mean that my dad said that to me or intended no. that he did the best job he knew how to do. Right. And looking back, of course he would do it differently. I think it's very hard for anyone to put themselves in your shoes. It's like they know, you know, this is the other thing that I think happens a lot. And this is in any relationship. If me and our if me and my stepmom had an issue with each other when I'm a kid, he is going to come to me and defend everything that she's done because he wants me to like her. Right. And he's going to go to her and he's going to defend everything I've done because he wants her to like me. Right. So both parties feel like he's never on their side. Right. All he's doing to me is justifying her behavior. And right. all he's doing is justifying mine to her. When all I want him to say is what she did was f*** up. Right. I hear you. That's not I okay. I understand. Right. I'm on your side. I see you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. You're not being dramatic. You're not being emotional. This thing hurt your feelings, or it made you feel bad, and I understand why it did. That's not going to make me hate her more. Right. It's going to just make me hate myself and hate you if I don't get to hear right. that someone's on my side. Right. Because you start to think you're going crazy, which we
2: and we need that from our parents when we're that yeah. young. I think,
3: and you need it really as an adult in any relationship. If you had two friends that were against each other and you were always defending each other to the right. you know other party, you're not really making any movement. No. You have to let each person know that
2: they're right to feel the way that they do. No, you're t I mean, I'm a mediator, and I do that with, with my clients yes, and so say, like, I feel you. I hear you. You're absolutely right. What he's saying is wrong. Let's try to get him to move from that a little. And then to, to him, I'll say, you're right. She's, be- you know, you have sometimes it might feel a little Mm two-faced, but that's what you have to do if you're either being paid to be somebody's mediator or you're in a situation with two people who you genuinely love and want to do right by. Yes. Totally agree. What are your two sisters' relationships with dad? Similar? Was it the three of you against the world or did you guys have different... I know you can't speak for them, but you must have a perception of how the two of them felt about it.
3: I think it was very much the three of us against the world. Um, I think that everyone, when there's... Three. We have two more sisters, but they're half-sisters, so they didn't really grow up with us. The same exact dynamic, so I'll just pair the three of us. Um, I was the middle child, so I think very traditionally I was the peacemaker. Yeah. So I want to fit in every category. I want to be friends with the top and the bottom and the mom and the dad and keep everyone together. So I'd say I maybe took on the most of it, Um, and I think my sister Sarah, who's just above me, really just checked out like you did when you were a teenager and was like, this, I'm going to live my own life. I'm out. Her right. friends became her family. And my little sister, I really took under my wing and I kind of parented her in a lot of ways when my mom maybe was a little bit too sad to, or my dad wasn't paying attention. And I took more of like a maternal role. But we all three felt the same. I mean, if there was a fight to have, if I stood up and was like, F- you to my dad, they would go, all right, I guess we're doing this. We're and they'd stand up with me and we'd all walk out together. You know, we never took positions.
2: Now, Sarah's married.
3: She's not actually married, oh, but they, they've
2: been engaged for eight years and they have two kids. Okay. That's, that's how I roll yeah, too. Okay. They're basically and then, married.
3: and then Jordan, my little sister, Jordan, she's married also
2: lives in New York,
3: lives in New York okay. and has a um, a one year old. Yeah. So why aren't you married? Um, I think that I, I've had so many bad relationships. I've picked like very stereotypically along the lines of my, um, history, I have picked guys who um, are incapable of committing or don't want to, and my goal is to win them over and change their mind. Do you think that has anything to do with dad? Of course. Okay. Well, just asking. No, of course. I mean, (laughs) I I look at the line, and I've always created situations where I want um, a guy to choose me over someone else. I've never cheated with anyone. I've never been like an affair. I've never cheated on anyone. It's not like that. But it's... um, it's just creating a situation where I need to be picked when he will not be with anybody or settle down or commit or anything. And my dad was like that a lot of my life. And so it's been really disruptive and it really didn't go anywhere. And I think that, um, I, I started going to, I mean, I've been in therapy my whole life basically, but I started going to therapy about probably four or five years ago. And she said, why do you want to be in therapy? And I said, I really don't know how to be in a relationship I certainly don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. And second dates give me a lot of anxiety because it means it's going somewhere. First dates I can kill. There's no obligation. We can never talk to each other again and no one's hurt. But a second date, you're in a pattern with someone. Now you have to like end it almost. You have to say, I don't have feelings for you that way. And it would give me a lot of anxiety. And I was on this track where I really didn't want to be with anybody that wanted to be with me. That just wasn't attractive to me. Interesting. And I realized I was doing this at 29, 30, 31. And like, these are not the ages that you can still be acting like a 22 year old. And so I just said, like, I need you to help me figure out how to get more comfortable and figure out how to do this. And we worked really hard at it and did a lot of dissecting from early childhood stuff and tried to reprogram the way I thought about things. And I don't know what I did that worked, but I'm in... The, probably the only healthy relationship I've ever been in. Wow. With a phenomenal person who's like my perfect match. How long? We've been together eight months. Okay. So it's still. Knew, Can we but, get him into
2: like a, a one one story building?
3: Maybe. I we discussed it last <laughs> night. I was like, so I've been trapped in your elevator. What's, pl- what's the next plan? <laughs> Where are we going this, with this relationship? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm 36, and so when you have been together eight months at 36, it's very different than being together eight months at 26. True that. Yes. So every month is like six months. Right. And he knows that. And at the how end, old is it, he? He's 34. Okay. So when we met. He was thirty three, and I was thirty five, and he was like, "I am not looking to settle down. This just isn't. I am not at that place. I am thirty three. I am having fun. I am living my life." And I was like, "Great, let's have fun!" Like, I was at a point where i I learned that you believe what somebody tells you. So if someone says I don't want to commit, you don't try to change their mind. Right. You just believe that. Okay. And I was so when I turned thirty five, things got really. Scary. <laughs> I didn't really remember that. It
2: was like a distant glimmer in my past, but I do remember being
3: like, okay. Something happens where you're not in your early thirties anymore. Yeah. And you say 35 out loud and guys hear it and they like get scared. And, you know, in my mind, I'm twenty-seven. Yes. So And she looks
2: twenty-seven too, by the thank way. You. So
3: um I appreciate that. So when I would be socializing and some guy would be like, Oh, well, no, how old are you? I'd be like, 35, they'd be like, Oh, do you not want to have kids? Oh. Like, um, <sighs> no, nope, like- thought that was still an option for me. <laughs> you just are treated a little Can bit. Can I just like- tell you?
2: Thirty-six, forty-one. That's how old that's I was whole- when I had oh. my two kids. Thank I'm God. fifty. It's <gasps> all
3: good. Jesus, you're fifty. You look literally twenty years younger than
2: you are. <gasps> Keep it going, Aaron. Yes, no, but thank <gasps> the you. All of skin. But yeah, tricks and cake, and a spray tan helps <laughs> with that. But but so yeah, I mean it's totally doable. There's a there's a partner at my office who just had a second baby at forty-seven. Whoa, yeah, I'm like, I'm too tired to even wake up with that baby, let alone carry it in my uterus. I mean, yeah, so you got time.
3: The baby thing is 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 one issue which definitely puts you on a on a schedule. But I think when I realized I'm thirty five and I'm single, and certainly in l a that you might as well just say forty five right. Um it I realized that, you know, I don't want to be the girl that's panicking mm-hmm. and freaking out about her age. And is like desperate to settle down and desperate to get someone to marry her. That's not my vibe. I was like, I'm more confident than that. I think I'm great. I think someone would be really lucky to have me. I don't think I'm 35, even though technically I am. So I am going to refuse to be in that holding pattern. And I am going to date whoever I want, whether they are marriage material or not. I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to just embrace this. And I'm going to go the opposite way. It was like a conscious decision I do not want to be the girl that's like, I'm 35. Do you know anyone? I really want to get married. No, I'm not her. So I was dating different people. I was going out with people. I was having fun with them. I wasn't taking anything too seriously. I wasn't acting like I was in a rush. And I met my boyfriend. It's so embarrassing. We met at the gym. It's very <laughs> cheesy, but we met and we had this conversation. And and I said, you know, I'm 35, but I'm I'm happy. And it's tr- it was true. It wasn't a bit. I was right. like, I really am happy. I understand. I should be. Trying to get married and have kids. Should, but, could, I don't believe you should. It I is think what that's it, whatever yeah. it is. I always said, I don't care when I figure it out. You only have to get it right once. Yes. So mm-hmm. I, if that's when I'm 40, then that's when I'm 40. I'm not going to be concerned. I'll freeze my egg. I've done it three times. I'm freezing my eggs and doing the things I have to do to buy me time. Yes. So I want it to be right. I'm not in a rush. Smart girl. And that made him feel really like safe and it was attractive to him. So he was going, whoa, like, I don't, girls don't talk like this. And that's exciting to me because in his mind he was uh, not to like blow him up at all because he's like so private, but he was an ageist. He, and it makes sense the way he explained it. He didn't want to go on a date with anybody over the age of 30 because in his mind, though, a woman over the age of 30 wants to settle down and I don't want to settle down. So I don't want to be in a situation where I'm holding someone up right? For and they want something I don't want. So for him to go out with me was very outside of his norm, but I wasn't looking for anything. Right. So it just kind of like we both found each other in this organic way. And I told him, you know, I'm dating other people. And he was like, me too. And then I went on some trip to New York and he was like, when are you coming back from New York? I said, oh, tomorrow night. He was like, I'm going to pick you up from the airport. Okay. Bam. Very, very like romantic. Yes. He picked me up and he was like, all right, here's the deal. I could tell you were with somebody else. You were obviously on a date. You didn't do anything wrong because that's the deal, but I didn't like it. And I think you should really stop doing that. And I'm going to stop doing it too. I was like, oh, okay. I said, let me clean some things up and then we'll just focus on each other. And It turned out that he was my perfect match, like in every way, and it just happened in the way that it was meant to happen. And that
2: level of honesty, I think, at the outset and throughout, is really that's very similar to how my boyfriend and I kind of started Mm. things too. And and again, a second stage of it, which is we were both we both had our kids, we didn't want to have any more kids, but we wanted to both be in relationships with like somebody that was age appropriate for us and who you know, read books and who like to eat and drink wine and go do things. And we didn't want to like have a family or whatever. We didn't want to merge families. This is what we wanted. And it was the same thing where we were boasting other people. We liked having our nights off from our kids, having adult relationships, having like good sex nights, whatever. And that's how we, and same thing. Like after a couple of months, he was like, you know what? I'm not down with like not knowing where you are. It freaks Mm -hmm. me out. And I'm sorry to be a dick about it, but I'll stop if you stop. And I was
1: like,
3: Okay. Yeah. And I think that works because you actually meant it. Because it's a bad message to send to women who are like, Okay, so I guess my plan is I'll pretend like I don't want to settle down. Right. I'll pretend like I'm dating other people. Right. I'll make them jealous. It doesn't I'll work. i send myself flowers. Yes. <laughs> I was literally <laughs> just going to say that. And I've done that. And it doesn't work because you intuitively know if something's fake or real. You right. just do. You just, you know, if someone's trying to make you jealous or if they actually are disappearing. And for yourself also, like, how shitty does that feel that you sent yourself
2: flowers? It's like to make somebody else feel jealous. It's so
3: embarrassing.
2: Mm-hmm. Talking about Aaron dating, one of the things that we pulled from US Magazine, too. 2012 is I guess right when you and Samantha Ronson broke up. Um, Samantha Ronson is back on the single scene. British DJ 34 has split with actress Aaron Foster 29, a source recently confirmed to US Weekly. So you were dating Samantha Ronson. This is what now 6 7 years ago.
3: Yeah, or longer? Yeah, no, you're right. 7 years ago. Um it, you figured
2: you'd check out girls, yeah. see how that would work out? I never out. went to
3: college, so I right. guess I had that. I still <laughs> had to do that. Um, no, you know what really, what happened was, and it's like, I was 29 and I still wanted to be with the wrong people and I still really didn't want to be with the right people. And And I'm sure you relate to this. Something happens when you go on a date or 10 dates with 10 different people who are wonderful, lovely people who are offering everything that you want in the world and you can't stand them. And you think to yourself, maybe it's me. Yes. Yeah. And I What's was wrong like, with me? What is wrong with me that I don't like these people and I still go over to this guy's house at 11 o'clock at night that I've been seeing for six years who won't give me the time of day. Right. Why am I doing this? And I'm 29. So when I met Samantha and she was like this like cool, she was like the token little lesbian that turns right. straight right. girls. And she was in my friend group and And I kind of like was like, oh, she must have a crush on me. And someone was like, "Mm, she's never mentioned you. And and (laughs) And then you're like, ding, ding, ding. That was enough for me. (laughs) She doesn't even need to have a penis. If she doesn't like me and she's that interested, I'm in. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I can change that. Um, And something happened where I think that um, I was like, I'm going to have my girl experience. I never went to college. I'm going to do the thing where you go like, "Mm, what's this like? And I did it. And then she was like, no, you're my girlfriend now. And this thing dawned on me where I thought, wait, if I'm a lesbian, then none of this has been my fault. I'm actually great. I just am a lesbian. That's why I didn't want to be with any of these people. And I really liked that narrative. So I leaned into it and I was like, yeah, everybody, I'm a lesbian. You need to respect our rights. We have rights, you guys, and we are gay. And I would like go rock red carpets and like LGBT. And and it was not that it was fake. It's that I really wanted it to be true. right? Like I really want, I loved the idea that I wasn't broken. I was just dating the wrong pool of people. And somewhere along the relationship, I realized, okay, I don't think I'm actually a lesbian, but now I'm in so deep. What do I do now? And now I come out of this relationship and I go, okay, now I'm almost 30. And turns out I'm also not a lesbian, but I just also don't know how to figure things out with guys. So I stayed in it much longer than I probably should have meaning a year, right? because I was really scared of what was on the other side. And, and Samantha and I are friends now. I was just going to say, are you friendly? Totally and- okay. friends. She's in a really happy relationship and she is great and we're all, totally all good. And I'm really grateful for the experience, Yeah, but it had a clear purpose. And when I got out of it, I really needed to take a look at like my behavior and what I was doing because I was all over the place. Right. Easier to be friends with an ex who's a woman than
2: some of the guys, or having nothing to do with gender, just it's easy because she's Samantha?
3: I think it is easier because she's a girl. I think she's my only relationship with a woman, so I can't compare. I'm sure there are women you don't want to be friends with, but like there is something about when you realize you don't want to be in a relationship with that sex, it's not about the person. Right. It kind of takes them out of the category of a threat in the future or anything weird and and we're totally just able to be friends. There's just none of that energy there, like a guy acts. I think, but um, but I will say that guys think it's really sexy to think about two girls together, yes. unless they're dating you, yes. and then they really don't like you having a lesbian relationship in your past. It doesn't go over very well. Every guy I've dated always goes like, "Ooh, that's cool," and then when they're my boyfriend, they really don't it turns like on it. they you. really don't right. like it. Yeah, um, I think it just feels scary, and um, I think that like. My current relationship, my boyfriend's a little bit old fashioned and he's like, let's not talk about exes. Let's not right. talk about that. He doesn't want that in our world. And for me, I'm thinking like, wait, I'm gonna planning on like writing a book about all my relationships. Right. So we come from these different places and his family is very traditional and his parents are married for 45 years and he's never been around divorce in any way. Right. And recently when we were on vacation over Christmas, he admitted to me, he was like, I, in some ways... Am concerned about starting a future with someone who believes in divorce, like you do, because he's like, I don't really believe in divorce. And I thought, well, yeah, you do. Everybody believes in divorce for the right reason, right? If I, if you and I were married and I f- your best friend, I bet you'd believe in divorce then. <laughs> so you just have never been exposed to it, and so you, of course, the
2: goal is to be together, right? Nobody walks down the aisle thinking like I'm going to get divorced. No. But if things change, and and again. There is less divorce now because people are waiting longer. They're having the kind of realizations and doing the kind of self-work that you did Mm -hmm. so that if you were to marry this guy or if it doesn't work out with him, the next guy, you already have that learning experience behind you. That being said, I think there are some people that still will stay in it because... I don't mm-hmm. believe in divorce. I hope your guy's not one of them. He sounds a little bit too self-aware to be that He's guy. He's very self-aware. I
3: think what he meant was, I, I'm i scared to marry someone who would leave at the first sign of right. trouble because that's what you're used to seeing right. is just easy. Divorce is I'm not a big out. deal at all. Right. So like, let's do it. And I said to him, I've waited this long to get it right. I know how rare this is. Yes. I really, really understand how rare this dynamic is. I understand how rare it is to feel seen by someone and connected to them and like they're your best friend and you can be yourself with them. That's not going to come around every 10 years for me. It's just not. So if I commit in this relationship... I'm not bailing at the first sign of trouble. Right. it's the last thing I want to do. No. And the fact that you haven't already been married, I think, is a
2: big sign of that. Absolutely. You say, oh, it's me. I picked the wrong people. But I'm sure that you've gotten a few proposals or had a few people that were, like, wildly into you. And you were like, yeah, not so much. Probably also because you saw what you saw growing up, not just with your own parents, friends' parents, stuff. Sister and brother's yeah. parents. We all grew up here in L.A. in that atmosphere. I mean, my dad is a divorce lawyer, so I'm. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I grew up with this in my blood. I saw it. I lived it. It's what we talked about at the dinner table. I would go to bar mitzvahs and sweet sixteens, and one parent would be like, "Oh, you're Dennis Wasser's daughter. Mm-hmm. You're at the shitty table." I mean, totally. <laughs> so, but again, I my five or six best friends are in relationships with people that I don't believe will ever they'll, they'll ever leave them. I mean, mm-hmm. they really. Because I do. I think we're older. I think we're more aware. But I get mail all the time. Usually it's from like, you know, born again Christians and stuff that say like, you are you're you want divorce. You're a divorce monger. That's why you're making it too easy for people to get divorced. Uh, They're getting divorced. I just want to make it easier for them to go through the legal system mm-hmm. and make it cost less money for them.
3: I would imagine being a divorce attorney, if someone said... I know you tell me this. If someone said I, I'm just me and my husband, we're not it's not working. I'm, I don't feel good about it. Like, I think maybe maybe I'm going to think about getting divorced. What's your advice? Are you going like, hold on? Yes. ask these five questions I, to yourself. I will not even meet with somebody
2: unless they've been to therapy because everybody that would come to my office Smart. can afford it. Go talk it through. If you can save it save it, particularly if you have kids. Absolutely. Yeah. There are some situations where people can't either. Mm-hmm. There's somebody else that's gotten involved, which is usually more a symptom than the actual problem at yes. hand. If you're going to stray, it's because something's wrong with this relationship. Yes. But absolutely. I mean, I am the last person to go, Oh, well, let's hey,
3: throw Let's get divorced. Yeah, you know how complicated it it's is. it's
2: complicated. And the other thing is, and this may be for older couples, but if it's not like his shit, it's going to be somebody else's shit. So, you know, it's a lot of us here in LA just go for the newer, better, younger model. Mm -hmm. But if you have somebody that you've kind of established a best friendship with, you do enjoy them intimately. If you have a little bump in the road, see if you can work through it. That's definitely been my feeling and advice to people who've come to me. Absolutely, I
3: think there are probably big main things that you need to share in common with someone or feel when you're with someone. And then there's the small stuff that is going to change with every person. They're going to have something that annoys you or irritates you. But if you have like the big stuff –
2: I should get a T-shirt that says, with every person, there's something that annoys me.
3: <laughs> it's so true. And I think that like, the goal, my boyfriend and I now all say to him, you're annoying me. Can you please leave the room? And he's like, you know what? I'd actually rather watch the basketball game without you being annoying next to me. So we'll just sit true. in separate rooms. So Bye, like, girl. This is exactly the relationship I've always wanted. And I can tell you when you're annoying me instead of like letting it simmer well, yeah, and then slowly and hating yeah,
2: you. It goes to resentment.
1: Yeah. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute.
0: Hey, this is Jordan Harbinger, host of the not-so-creatively-titled Jordan Harbinger Show. We dig into the superpowers of the world's most interesting thinkers, and then we deliver them to you right into your ears. It's more than just a way to get inspired, and I get it. We're not all superheroes. That's why we give you their blueprint and include worksheets for every episode, as well as answer your listener questions so you can live what you listen. Listen free to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast Podcast1.com.
2: This is the Divorce Sucks Podcast. I'm Laura Wasser, your host, and the disruptive voice in the family law community who started what we call at It's Over Easy, the evolution of dissolution, which is a new way to talk about how people get divorced. You can find out more on itsovereasy.com, where you can navigate your own divorce and find a community of support as you go through the process. Our community is made stronger by people like you and my guest today, Erin Foster. She and her sister co-star on VH1's critically acclaimed docu-comedy, Barely Famous. And now they are heads of creative for Bumble, the location-based social and dating application, which is all about the idea of community and getting connected in more ways than one. For those of us who may be new to dating or meeting people online... Can you explain what Bumble actually is, Erin, and how it works?
3: So the thing that separates Bumble from any other dating app is that women make the first move. So if you match with a guy, um, you message him first. I like that. I I don't even think I knew that. Oh, really? (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's kind of, even though it's sort of only that one small detail that separates it. Um, Because once you start talking, you it's like any other dating right. app, you would think. But I really believe, and I believe this before I worked with Bumble, is that you really feel the intention of the founders in a product. Right. No matter what it is. You feel it in a podcast. You feel it on an app. You feel it anywhere. Like you go to Tinder, you can tell the kinds of guys that created that company, right? DTF. Yes. So the intention... Now, now Jeff's nodding his head. Oh, I can Jeff. see that head nod. Je- yes, Jeff okay. is DTF. Okay. He looks like it. I see it. If you weren't right behind me, I would be including you more in this conversation. Uh, So I really think that in anything you feel the intention of the founders. So Whitney Wolf is the founder of Bumble and she wanted to create a dating app where women felt safe and felt comfortable. And where they were confident and comfortable making the first move. So it's not just about that one feature. It's really about a, the culture behind Bubble.
2: That I believe. From what I've read about it, I, I don't know that I knew that it was the woman goes first. But yes, it's kind of the woman's dating app. And mm-hmm. every guy that I know that's on it has no issue with that. For sure. I mean, it's kind of like the girl on girl hookup. Yeah, I'm good. I'm
3: good with that. It attracts men who like confident women. I think it doesn't attract men who are looking to take advantage of women because you're not going to find those women on there. And so I think when I say those women, I mean maybe women who are more vulnerable to it. It's more like women who know what they're looking for and they're going after it. And I think uh, they have the lowest rate of um, sexual harassment cases on Bumble, I think because of that dynamic set in place. There was a slogan that someone came up with, like, the woman always comes first on Bumble. And it's just sort of, it's like a sexual pun and it's kind of true. It's just, you put her first. So once Bumble established a really large community in the dating world... Um bumble branched out into bumble biz and bumble bFF, and that's tell what us they, about those that's what they brought Sarah and I on was to help launch those two branches. so um bumble biz is for women to connect with each other for work opportunities um the and goal, that's just women, yeah, right. So right now, I want to get this right, but I think that men can do it as well. It's just that um for now men are with men and women are with women. Just I understand there's a lot of different gender preferences, terms the terminology that we're all using and everything. but I think until we can understand how to manage that if you throw guys in the mix with girls it's going to get sexual at some point if you're on if you're pro- predominantly heterosexual on All an right. app so um for now they're separated to keep it clean is that the same for Bumble BFF? Yes. Okay. For Bumble Biz, there's a lot of my I had a child and three years ago I stopped working and now I want to get back into the working force and I feel sort of intimidated and I want a community of professional women that will welcome me and help guide me. Bumble BFF is very much like I moved to New York with my right. husband and I don't know anyone here and I just want women who are like-minded to hang out with. It seems weird to find a friend on an app. No, I don't think it seems weird because
2: I say to people all the time, you're, we're dating online and we're, we're shopping online, we're banking online. Why wouldn't we get divorced online? My BFF, Johnny, just sent me a note saying same-sex couples use
3: Bumble. But do, so if what if it's two guys? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, what the stance is for Bumble BFF and biz? I mean, Bumble is certainly not trying to push strictly heterosexual relationships. It, there's a ton of gay relationships on Bumble. I always hear from women who like I met my wife on Bumble. It's very welcoming. There's no part of it that's it's. For women, by women, but that doesn't mean anything other than like if you're gay, straight, by whatever it is. There's there's plenty of room for everyone. But But if you're a gay man looking for a a
2: romantic relationship, are you going on Bumble?
0: Apparently, you can now.
2: Okay, you definitely
3: can.
0: (laughs) When you are are a gay man looking for a relationship, Bumble's more likely. If you're looking for a DTF situation, that's grinder. Well,
3: Bumble also has a um, gay dating app called Chappie. So that is part of Bumble. So I think that probably if you are a guy looking for a gay hookup or relationship, I guess there's probably just more options on a strictly gay app. But Bumble, it's certainly everyone's welcome on Bumble. It's just that those the original established rules was girl reaches out first, right. just as a way to like not get dick pics, like, was or whatever. Sadie Hawkins, like that kind yeah, of yeah, exactly.
2: So and what does what does being head of creative mean for you and Sarah? Like, what does that entail for it, the BFF and biz?
3: It's a broad term that sort of means anything from a creative campaign we're going to help on, or for a, a marketing standpoint, a branding opportunity. Uh, partnerships is a big part of our job, um, sort of evangelizing the brand, bringing it into our world, making sure people know about it, understand what it is, and keep it fresh and cool and likable and in the conversation. And the truth is, it's been an experience that Sarah and I have been really proud to be a part of because Whitney Wolf is a really impressive woman. Yeah. And Bumble is not an aggressively feminist organization. It's not like girls only and burn your bras and men and you guys f***ing did this to us and it's not like that. No,
2: it's just a, it's just a different approach to walking into that world of dating apps, yes. I think.
3: Yes. It's like, we deserve to be respected and so do you. And it's it's pro... Bumble women love men. There's no, like, it's not a intimidating space for a man to be a part of. Right. It's just welcoming to everyone and I think dating apps just, you know, it, guys are pervs and if a guy has an opportunity to anonymously harass a woman, you know, a lot of them are probably going to do it and you have to create precautions to try to protect them. Jeff More, Jeff's nodding. He's I mean, like, I'm going to take my
2: opportunity to anonymously I mean, harass a woman. I'm going to do it right now because you can't see me. It's
3: true. <laughs> guys are dirty and like you guys are just thinking about one thing and women are thinking about a lot of things. Right. I mean, I have to be careful if I get out of the shower at the same time my boyfriend's walking past me because he's going to like take advantage of that moment. Yes. You know, it's like
2: it's like the shy gazelle is, is in the yes. forest and the hungry lion comes. That's how I used to feel sometimes in my house. I was like, where would wait for him <laughs> to leave? True. Before... That's how hot I used to be, Donnie. Um,
3: Did you ever use it before um, you got into your current relationship? So I was not ever, I've never been on a dating app. Me no, neither. I've been on some dating apps. I had never been on Bumble, but then we started using Bumble when we worked for them and we started matching actually with Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz with women on there and spending the day with them as an experiment. And we genuinely met great women like really cool awesome women that we just hung out with for the day we would document it right? and like great girls smart, cool like
2: there's great people on Bumble and I do particularly in this town you and I grew up here but I know so many people are like this is just a really hard town first of all you have to drive everywhere you can't just walk down the street like you can in New York and if you don't have family here or know people. Like, I can't walk down the street without meeting somebody that I went to elementary school mm-hmm. with or summer camp in Malibu with or whatever. So, but if you're not from here, it can be really difficult For because sure. it's not, you don't just have like your neighborhood watering hole mm-hmm. or whatever. It's very, very hard to meet people here. And I've had so many people say to me, like, you're so lucky that you grew up here because you've got, you know, your mom is in Malibu and your dad's in Brentwood and you can just, and you have family everywhere and kids that you've known forever. I can imagine that this city would be really hard, and this would be a great place if you had to move here or chose to move here to really do either Bumble BFF or Bumble Biz. Because, and I think especially for women, meeting new women yeah. after a certain age is really hard.
3: LA is very exclusive, yes. not very inclusive. Yes. And I think Bumble is just trying to normalize the idea that a girl's like, I want to meet women that are like-minded to me, or I want to feel community or feel welcome or get advice. And their whole platform is just about kindness. It's not about being fake or silly. You can be real and honest, but just come from a good place and have good intentions. Also, I did technically bumble my boyfriend in real life because I hit on him. Right. So I made the first move. So I took it into real life. Okay. I like that. that. But that was at the gym. Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Tell us if you know, and I know you guys work more with the biz and the BFF, but you must be somewhat aware of the whole culture of the dating app and particularly with Bumble. Mm -hmm. Give us some tips because I haven't done it either. I I don't plan to because I'm in a good relationship right now. Yes.
3: Well, first of all, I think that sometimes there's controversy with dating apps and um, since Bumble has this platform of being for women, pro women. So people get pissed off and upset about behavior of guys on Bumble too sometimes. And at the end of the day, it's like, you can't get mad at the bar owner for an asshole being in the right. bar, right? It's not Bumble's I mean, fault. Yeah. Bumble does a really good job of trying to police these things and you have to be careful. Um, and it, and it's a, it's the least, um, offensive probably environment but what so, about like veracity
2: like what i have a friend that last week went on a bumble date he's mm-hmm, sitting at the bar mm-hmm. and a woman that he had had the conversation with and who had swiped him picked him whatever walks in and he knew it was her but she was definitely at least 30 pounds heavier and 10 pounds older than her picture that's not right is it i mean it's false no. advertising and again if what they're basically picking just laughing mm-hmm. he just he really said to her you know what I don't – I felt – I feel like I kind of was brought here under false pretenses. And Mm -hmm. it's not just aesthetic, but if you don't like yourself enough to present what you really look like, how am I supposed to like you? And he paid
3: for his drink and he was like, bye. I think that dating apps can be harmful like anything else in the modern world and has to be used responsibly in terms of like if you are on a dating app to meet a mate, it is on you. You should decide that you're going to have to walk into a room and meet this person. So. Am I going to post, put flattering pictures on my profile? Of course I am. I'm not an idiot. But I'm also going to put pictures of me without makeup on so you get an idea of what I might be looking like when you wake up next to me. You know, I'm not going to be a complete fake version of myself because I also don't want someone to be disappointed in person. That's kind of like, I don't really want to lie about my age because if I said I'm 29, you might be like, oh, you don't look that great for 29, (laughs) but you look great for 36. I'd rather look great for my age. So I think that that is an issue with where we're at in social media in general, it's this, if you have an opportunity to let someone see you exactly how you are and you go, okay, I'm comfortable with that. But then someone goes, or you could show them this picture with you where you've blurred out all the lines in your face, you've brightened your eyes and your teeth are perfect and your hair is perfect and there's no cellulite on your legs. I mean, most people are going to have a really hard time picking the first option. right? Because if you can be you or be a better version of you, most people want to be the better version. The problem is, is it's just not real. So I think that like, We're having a culture crisis right now where people can either be the version of themselves that they put out there or they can be their real real selves. Mm -hmm. And there is, I do think the bubble is bursting because you see a lot of Instagram accounts of girls who intentionally show their cellulator, intentionally show that this is what I look like in a photo and then this is what I look like when I actually sit down and I'm normal. And it does make women feel better. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, I look at the Explore page on Instagram. My boyfriend always makes fun of me. Cause his explore page is like all basketball, right? And my explore page is all hot girls, right? And mine it's too, like, by the way, before I'm like, and after. Why afters. are we getting all these hot girls? It's, you're it's because you're looking. at That's them. what we look at, and, right? And I look at a lot of before and after body pictures, and I'm like, I obsess over, ooh, what if I could be like this, or what if I could do that, and and it really breeds a lot of insecurity, and it's something that I really need to work on. And so I think dating apps, it's the thing I think is great about a dating app, and I have gone on dates from dating apps before, is that. There's a good chance that you spend all your time with the same 30 people over and over Mm -hmm. again. And so I might not meet the chef at a cool restaurant downtown because I'm not hanging out with them. Right. And so if I go on a dating app, I meet that guy. Got it. And I think it's great for going outside of your circle and people that I dated before, even though they weren't my person – They were from a different world that I never would have found. And I kind of think that's what's beautiful about it. We get into a rhythm where we just do the same thing over and over with the same people. And you're not really going to meet anyone new that way. And and I also think, particularly for people coming out of another
2: relationship, whether it's a marriage or relationship, it's an opportunity for you to represent yourself. It's like a reset. I, I used to live with my best friend, like since second grade, we were best friends and I bought a house. And I was with a guy and we broke up and my best friend moved in downstairs and I would go on like blind dates all the time. And she's like, how can you do that? Like she went on two and she's like, oh God, it's so awful. But for me, I'm like, I can sit across from anybody and have like a glass of wine or, you know, a tequila And a piece of salmon and talk about myself. Like that might be my bad, but like Uh it gives me an opportunity to kinda check in. This is like Jeff's laughing. Let's go, Jeff (laughs) He's like, I'll do that with you. Right. Are you paying? But Totally. I think it gives you an opportunity to kind of, this is who I am, because in that other relationship, this is who you were. And not to fake it, but to really be your honest self at this stage in your life, who you are, talk about it. And even if it doesn't go anywhere with that person, you've also gotten some new information about somebody that you never ever would have known otherwise. I
3: think if someone's dating the way that you're speaking about it, it is good for them. I think most people are not comfortable with themselves enough to date that way. And I certainly spent my 20s going on dates with guys and going, okay, he seems intellectual. I'm going to talk about a book I read two years ago and pretend like I read it two weeks ago. Right. Or this guy looks like he's like really spiritual. So I'm going to talk about my spiritual side. I would literally, people would say, just be yourself. And I'd be like, which version? Right. Which right. Which, which fake version of myself <laughs> do you want me to be today? Because I'll give you whichever one I think you're going to like. Right. And that's why you pick the wrong partner because they don't actually know you. And I used to think there was a point where probably a year ago, my best friends are married to each other. I um, officiated their wedding to each other, a guy and a girl, and the husband is one of my best friends. And I guess Johnny. I officiated Johnny's wedding. You did? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's such an honor, right? Yes. I'm very proud of it. Me too. Um, And so like a year ago, he picked me up to go to breakfast on the weekend. And I said to him, I don't think I can ever be in a relationship because last night I stayed in on a Friday night and I drank a significant amount of a bottle of wine by myself and I watched like 3 episodes of The Bachelor and I ate like dark chocolate in bed and I fell asleep with silicone eye patches to make sure I don't get crow's feet and I woke up and I thought I will never be able to do this with somebody like I just don't I think I'm in too deep I'm too I'm too comfortable alone and he said to me you're so wrong that's exactly what but you're what supposed, you're to, supposed do. to do in a relationship? Right. He's like, if you saw the way that my wife goes to sleep at night, it's disgusting. Like, <laughs> it is so nasty. All the creams and the weird shit. And the truth is, is that now I'm in a relationship where I wear the same silicone patches on my eyes, and I have the same wine and the same chocolate, and it's the, it's the but dream. He's there, right? He's there. It doesn't make it doesn't change how he feels about me, right? So it takes a long time, I think, to get comfortable. I was the girl that woke up early and like put concealer on and then went back to bed or oh thought about God. the way you were. Like, you, I I just didn't think it was enough to be myself. I think it does take time and dating is very stressful when you haven't learned that. Something that I learned from my brother-in-law made me do this like six years, maybe five years ago. I went on a date with someone and I knew I didn't like them from like five minutes in. The date ended. I avoided the kiss at the end um, and he texted me that night and was like, can I see you Thursday? And I came home and my brother-in-law was staying with me, my little sister's husband. And I was like, oh God, he's already asking me to go out again. And I started feeling that like heat in my chest. Like, right. what do I do? What lie do I make up? Where do I have to go out of town tomorrow? And he was like, you need to tell him the truth because guys actually appreciate sure. when you're direct. And right. if you say you're going out of town, he'll say, Great, I'll see you when you come back. And if you say you're busy, he'll say, Tell me that you're right. not busy. Just keeping you're avoiding the inevitable. Yes. And so he helped me map out this text, and I've sent this text several times since then and a different version. And I just said, I had a great time with you. I didn't feel a romantic connection. And I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I'd love to be friends. That part's a little bit of a lie. Right. Um, But I hope no feelings are hurt. It's one date in and, you know, let's move on. But you still had sex with
2: him on Thursday, right? Of
3: course. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, the truth is- I am. I, I'm a 25-year-old boy yeah. trapped in the body of a 50-year-old woman. It's very sad. <laughs> that is something that I would have done. But <laughs> I I learned to just, to like, to be the kind of dater you're talking about, you have to have good boundaries. Yes. Because when you don't have good boundaries for yourself, you get really nervous and anxious about other people pushing those boundaries around. When you get comfortable with saying to someone, I don't feel anything for you, I think that there's like a fear that they're going to hate you or be mad. Right. But, but they get more mad if you string them along. Yeah. That's this
2: age-old, like, push-pull. We, as women, try to be really polite. We've, we're taught by our moms not to hurt boy's feelings, mm-hmm. don't hurt his feelings. But in not hurting his feelings, we're making it a, a further and more painful fall. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you with the, like, no, I'm just not that into you.
3: Yes. I had this situation, coming cut me off if you need to switch subjects, but I went on a date with someone from a dating app, great first date, and then went on a second date, and on the second date, I was like, oh, mm, I don't want him to kiss me. I just know I don't want him to. So I think I don't like him. And he was driving me home or I was dropping him off at his hotel or something like that because he lived in New York. And we were both going to New York on like the Friday. And I didn't want to have to kiss him goodnight. So I panicked and I was like, we should take the same flight on Friday. Oh, Jesus. So you made it worse. I made it worse. And he was like, really? And I and I felt like it was obvious I was blowing him off. And so I kept trying to make up for a bike telling him to get on my flight, which I don't know why I did that. And so you know, Thursday and Friday comes along, and he's like, really should I get on your flight?" I was like, yes, of course, let's oh, fly no, together., so he gets on my flight. I'm with my sister. I said to Sarah, And then you're basically like, please let this plane crash. Oh, I literally was ready. <laughs> I for don't have to to I come want, with him. It's so true. <laughs> I was like, if this plane goes down, it's the best thing's ever happened to me. I said to Sarah, it's 5 30 a.m. I was like, just so you know I invited that guy. I don't like on our flight. We're gonna see him about 20 minutes at LAX she's like, you're such an idiot. We get there. I see him. It's so uncomfortable. It's so awkward. I don't want to talk to him. We get on the plane. We, I don't speak to him once. And we get off the plane. I literally like avoid him a baggage claim. Oh, he texts me a week later, you know, I'm coming to LA. Like, do I want to see you or whatever? And I just wrote him back. and I was like, I'm so sorry. This is 100% my fault. But I didn't feel a romantic connection on our second date. And I didn't want that to be true. So I tried to force this weird thing about you getting on the flight. And its I'm so sorry that I did that to you. I really apologize. I didn't mean anything bad by it. I just was trying to make something real that I couldn't turn around. And I hope you don't hate me. It's just not there for me. And he was literally like, I really appreciate you telling me the truth because I thought I was crazy. I didn't understand what was happening. That's the worst thing you can do to someone is let them spin out and go, why isn't she talking to me all of a sudden? What did I do? Right. Did I make her right. mad? Just tell the truth. And it's kind of like, it's easier. Yes.
2: I've, I have brain cancer and I've only been given <laughs> two weeks to live. You don't want to like me.
3: Exactly. What is the whole thing on Friends when Chandler moved to Yemen to get away from Janice? <laughs> and then she like went with him. <laughs> it's like that. All right. Ghosting versus caspering. What?
2: Oh, are, yeah, what... that's a caspering caspering was the kind of like leading along as opposed to just disappearing completely no,
3: caspering is i think telling someone the truth right oh. it's saying hey i'm here this is the reason why i'm not talking to you and then moving on okay yeah ghosting is just disappearing okay we like caspering yeah, I, always, ghosting, I liked casper okay ghosting is mean the ghosting i think it's is mean. really up to do that to someone
2: yeah, but then okay, you're a, the a fan. Picture. No, I'm not a fan. I'm just saying like if somebody ghosts you then you get it. I mean, yes. I'm still Choice thinking about a. being ghosted
3: 10 years ago and wondering what I did wrong.
2: There there was a book about that that I read. Like it was called it was called The Ghost or something. It was a novel and she thought he ghosted her but he really had like run over her little sister or something. So it was it was, it was actually a good book, but Interesting. Yeah.
3: I think that ghosting is unfair to people because what you go to in your head is probably a lot worse than what really happened. Right. So ghosting is, it's me. Whereas telling them the truth, caspering
2: is, it's not you. It's yeah, me. There's or just it's, no connection.
3: Totally. I was dating other people when I met my boyfriend and, and and he was dating other people. And he had these girls that were like upset and mad and felt burned because they thought they were dating him. And all of a sudden he has a girlfriend and he was like, ah. Eh like I don't need to deal with that I wasn't their boyfriend and I was like no 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 we're gonna go and you're gonna clean these things up so you're gonna text these girls and you're gonna say hey I'm really sorry if I led you on in any way I was dating other people as I'm sure you were too and one of them got more serious than I expected and now she's my girlfriend and I really hope that I didn't handle it badly with you I'm sorry if I did here is a picture of her look how much hotter she is than you
2: (laughs) we've cleaned it up a
3: little but still (laughs) some of these girls were annoyingly hot I oh sorry Well yeah, it's okay. they're okay. not here anymore. Are
2: you ready for the divorce sucks interrogatories? Do you know what an interrogatory is? I don't. I was just thinking like an I interrogation. It's an it, so it's a like you know like the Spanish Inquisition. It's like an interrogation, but we do it a lot as lawyers. Like we ask questions oh. and you have to tell the truth. So do okay. you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yeah. Are you
3: allowed to plead the fifth?
2: no oh okay great yeah i guess you could but none of these you're gonna want to. okay there's, there's none that are that good we're gonna get juicier as we get deeper into this but okay. we're still pretty all right so here's one question i have do you think you will ever get married yes okay and what is your favorite breakup song
3: oh i can't make you love me by um is that what it's called yeah well i can picture Bonnie it every, Ray. yes
2: obsessed with that song. And what would you say to one of your friends or girlfriends or guy friends that was going through a divorce? <laughs> or a bad breakup?
3: I would say this is putting you on the path you need to be on. Mm-hmm. If
2: it doesn't kill you, it makes you strong.
3: I really believe it. Yeah. I mean, also, I really believe rejection is divine intervention, divine protection. Yeah. I really believe that. I hate rejection. I I know. can't even make my own dinner reservations. But think about some of the people it. that that rejected you and you wouldn't spend t- five minutes with them today
2: yeah but i am definitely the person that tries to get out before that happens That's oh yeah. you're it. like i've never been rejected but no. sure well one guy rejected me and he, he you know what happened to him first he went to prison and then he died
3: oh so, so you what, do no not f- to
2: listeners, no yeah mm-hmm. you That's what happened stick to that guy. around until she gets bored with i you. went to sardinia he didn't show <gasps> up i you know came back and within a couple months having nothing to do with me prison and then all right so you're either a witch or in the mob (laughs) (laughs) or both all right what romantic comedy would you watch on repeat
3: um um forgetting sarah marshall so funny so funny love it so good that was a good one okay
2: healthy relationships are central to living a positive productive life you do not want to find yourself staring at your spouse asleep and contemplating suffocation by pillow Bumble is a social network that allows you to feel empowered while you make connections, whether you're dating, looking for friends or growing your professional network. One first move on Bumble could change your life. Erin Foster is head of creative for Bumble, a position she shares with her sister, Sarah. Erin, please tell people how we can keep up to date with you and the app.
3: Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Aaron Foster. You can follow Bumble on Instagram. You can follow bumble Biz or bumble b f f separately. You can get on Bumble. That's a great way to make me you know look like I did my job here um and um also, when you're on Bumble, they send a lot of like notifications and alerts to events that they have in your city and town.
2: yeah, we had one last year when they did have a hive here um and it was amazing. it was last it was almost a year ago, and it really, really jump started its over easy, That makes so. me
3: so happy. And the hives did
2: that are great, yes. And we launched the podcast at the Hive. So last am I like your, your partner? Yes, you're my partner. What's my stake you're, in this? You're head of creative. You I would actually, love that. You can have a percentage of everything that I ever get. From this. You're, <laughs> you're like I that's don't how make much any. I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much for being here today. You rock. We definitely would love to see you again. Do a panel, whatever. Great.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I love this. Hopefully, I'll never need you. I out hope you never need me. Out Let's the world. always Maybe just a... be friends. And never. Oh, a prenup. pre-nup. Yeah. I like that Mm -hmm. idea.
2: Mm -hmm. Very smart. Thanks for listening to Divorce Sucks today. And remember, relationships end. Our generation accepts that. Relationships unravel. They hit a wall. Sometimes they blow up. However, the day after is full of promise. I'm Laura Wasser, your host, and I look forward to continuing our conversation on Divorce Sucks.